Hello and welcome to the Glasshouse Dance Podcast, hosted by Artistic Director Laura McGill. That's me. This is a podcast exploring the artistic process, both our own and that of other artists. To kick off our first few episodes, we are chatting to the artists involved on our Wild Wonder project. Wild Wonder is an artist development programme developed by Glasshouse Dance. It delved into the human need for connection, meaningful experiences, using walking, art and the environment. We provided space for artists to question, experiment and nurture their own creative practice in relation to others. It is our belief that walking helps to propel creativity in conversations and wandering allows creative flow to flourish and innovation to thrive. note this episode was recorded in January 2021. For our first episode I am delighted to be talking to theatre maker, scriptwriter and performer Shay Hargreaves. Her work ranges from live theatre and poetry to audio and video content. She has a passion for using storytelling to explore complex issues such as the climate crisis, our national health service and the challenges faced by women in science. As well as being a brilliant artist, she is also a mother to three small children. Her partner is a key worker in the NHS, and so currently she's been spending most of her time supporting her partner through this difficult time and looking after their children. In this episode, we talk about the difficulty in juggling careers and children, the importance of art at this time, and how vital it is to take time for yourself. We begin by talking about how life informs our art, and how her tendency towards oversharing developed into her one-woman show, Sick. Well, I'd never written from real life before, so never written um, autobiographical, or is that the right way around? Yeah. <laughs> um, and had never felt any inclination to do that at all. So it was very weird writing a show that was sort of true, um, in which I played myself. So I tried writing it as a character first, Um, But that didn't work. So in the end, I wrote it just as myself. Um, And then a few sort of personal, personal life bits started sneaking in because originally it was just stories from my time working in the NHS. And then the director at the time said, uh, oh, I think I think we quite like those personal bits. Let's have some more of those and sort of started pulling gently at those bits. Uh, And then it kind of became uh, and it was all real things that happened. So it was miraculous how. Uh, life can do this in a similar ways to how art works but the relate the story of my sort of relationship breakdown at the time started mirroring the story of my um of the unit that I worked on struggling under a uh, new policy and that sort of thing and it kind of both of them not kind of spinning into free fall and then <laughs> crashing and burning at all because obviously the NHS is still still there just mm. um, but I did eventually leave that role um and so it kind of the journey of me at work deciding eventually to leave the unit and not work there anymore and the journey of me and my ex-boyfriend sort of becoming not a couple anymore kind of ended up being this intertwined quite, quite pleasing arc. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, where, so, where life uh, does you a favour. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was really interesting and meaningful to me project but it was hard work like it's grim performing your own life <laughs> it's really tough and um every single time I performed it it was tough and it never really got any easier um and I, I would I think I'm I'm proud of it and I'm pleased I did it but I definitely 
wouldn't resurrect it for any money. <laughs> it's hard work. Was it a solo show? It was, yeah. So it was just oh, yeah. for an hour. It's also a bit lonely touring by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, that's what you hear a lot of stand-up comedians talking about the loneliness of like being in yeah <laughs> your little crappy um, hotel room at night. You know. Yeah. yeah, I've not made a solo. I tried making solo once, and I found myself in a in a studio with um with lots of rope and I thought I don't know that this is a good sign <laughs> get out get out <laughs> tying myself in literal knots <laughs> so, so you used to work for the NHS I didn't know this what were you yeah. doing in the NHS I was a ward clerk and receptionist on the acute medicine unit which is kind of like um a step beyond A&E um so if you go to A&E and you need surgery obviously you go to theatres but if you need anything else, <laughs> you would come to our unit and we would sort out where you needed to go and who'd be seen by. So it was lots of things like heart attacks, um, out of control diabetes, COPD, uh, also mental health crises. Unfortunately, we'd end up there. Cancer patients who were very sick. If there were no cancer beds, they'd have to wait on the unit where there was norovirus and pneumonia, everything flying everywhere. And these poor cancer patients sat there with no immune system at all. We'd try and kind of put them in their own little cupboard uh, where we could. Um, until they got transferred down to, to the cancer wards but sometimes they were there for a very long time and it's very scary for them so it was kind of chaos all the time we had uh, 74 beds and 120 new admissions each day and then of course there would be the leftover full bed the, some beds would be full of course in the morning still most of them so it was just mad it was like sending people all over the place all the time and that's before all of this kicking off yeah. as well and yeah. wow it kind of works a little differently now but um we won't go into that it's just logistics so was that um alongside your artistic practice was that happening at the same time or was it like a complete um change of direction were you going in the route of like kind of um healthcare and medicine and then went no I'm going to be an artist or were they how, how was they that were happening at the same time so I when I graduated I ne- never stopped writing but didn't wasn't necessarily making any money from it so had a, a variety, interesting variety of jobs, which I, I think is great. I think mm-hmm. clearly a show came out of one of them. But um, other things too, like the people you meet, you're going to meet more people working a couple of days a week in a sushi restaurant, which was also something I did. than you are sitting in your studio five days a week by yourself. Um, so to be honest, even if even at, at the minute, um, crazy present circumstances aside, at the minute I am foot. Full, fully just self-employed but I would consider getting another role another job just one day a week when things are a little more normal just because of the um just the, the what it adds to your life and your practice as well so I was a, a clerk for a kind of acting company for a bit which was super dull but fine very very supportive like very necessary financial support to get me off the ground um and a great company but you know spreadsheets um and then I was a sushi chef for a bit (laughs) um which was fun but very hard work um and then I was an NHS receptionist for four years and then I just uh kind of had enough of that and left and was fully uh self-employed yeah it sounds like a good um uh, certainly yeah a good resource for for writers at least I think it must be very hard to um 
I mean, I know you work in a theatre context, which means that you do meet other people when you're working in studio settings then, aren't you? And you're working, bouncing ideas. But um, for writing, which is, can seem like quite a lonely practice of being at home and with it in front of a laptop and, and just at a desk. So, yeah, what a great way of kind of stealing stories and, um, and mining um, for personalities as well. Yeah. I had such a terrible conundrum when I first it occurred to me that I could possibly or would like to write a show about it because it just felt completely morally bankrupt. <laughs> so I waited till I'd left and then I started writing. Do you know This Is Going To Hurt by Adam Kay, the book? So about two days before the first show of Sick went up, I just had a huge panic that I hadn't protected people's stories enough. So obviously I changed everybody's, changed all the names. Most characters were an amalgamation of two or three people. So it would be very difficult. And I changed ages and genders and things and, and even dates. So it was difficult. would have been hard for anyone to even recognise themselves in it. But I just had this sudden panic. I hadn't done it right. And I, I thought, oh, God, I must speak to Adam Kay. Like, he might know. Uh, who's his agent? Who's his agent? And I, I looked up his agent and it was a friend of mine from uni. And I was like, amazing. So I sent her a text and said, oh, my God, I need to speak to Adam Kay. Is he, is he friendly? Can I send him an email? And she was like, yeah, he's really nice. Um, this, this never happens to me, this whole uh, fortuitous connections thing I don't know anybody but I do know her and she is lovely and he was really friendly and kind he sent me an email and just said here's what it sounds like you've done everything I did and I'm, it is enough and and like everyone knows what hospital I used to work at and I've never had any problems so you should be fine <laughs> oh well, there you go there's endorsement for you as well <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so, so how has that been I know that um on Wild Wonder we'll bring it back to that just for a moment and um a lot of our conversations and some of your conversations with others have been around where you're at personally and with having three very young children and and how that's impacted on your practice and maybe you could just talk about that for a moment and 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 whether Wild Wonder at all helped with that I know that you've we, we we spoke about that a little bit about that space that um, was the reason that you applied I think it was kind of quite strong and came through when you said wild wonder would be would be an ideal thing for me at the moment because of this so perhaps you can just talk about that for a moment well um I think being part of something like wild wonder that's a, a specific um specific kind of residency which also happened away from the from home and in a certain time and place just gives you um permission to use your brain for other things than laundry um and yeah that just that is not possible really when you're at home with three small children because you can you can say um right I'm gonna go and do x for an hour I'm gonna go and you know work for an hour or something upstairs but you can still hear them and you know if, if pandemonium is happening then you're not gonna leave your other half to suffer and <laughs> alone so um and also there's just so much that needs doing. I, I definitely got more work done when we just had one child, uh, and then yeah. surprise twins. Um, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother deal. So I think a lot of it is about permission, and also at a time like this, you know, I must. I have to be there to support my partner who's doing incredibly essential work, mm. um, and it's always going to have to be more essential than what I do, and I'm fine with that, of course. Um, especially having worked in the NHS myself, and I do really appreciate. The things that really matter but I do also think that um first of all that that we we do also need not as much as doctors but we do also need our at the minute quite badly we're all very isolated 
and and feeling feeling low at this point and there's there's nothing like a decent tv show or a great song to help with that and secondly um just for my own my own personal ability to continue to look after the house and deal with the kids every single day i've been doing it every day for for a year and a half with no breaks at this point mm-hmm. um and and i just think to have that space to remember that my brain does other things was amazing and has actually helped me do I kind of was thinking oh it'll help my practice because it'll give me time to do my practice but it has helped more with my essential kind of home duties to be to be honest it's also helped my practice but it has helped with with the other other responsibilities I have in ways that I hadn't thought it would um and now I, I have more fun and I do more fun things and you know just feel a bit more like myself so I'm therefore better at parenting yeah um, I just forgot all the things my brain could do and, and Wild Wonder gave me that time and space where our only job was to just be kind of in ourselves and, and remember the things that we used to <laughs> use our brains for. Oh, that's that's just, that's really lovely to hear and and also to be reminded that, yeah, actually, um, if you have space just to remember who you are, then the, then the practice thing will come as a second as a secondary kind of benefit um and I remember thinking when we were talking to the provocateurs for example I was saying that you don't need to lead anything in terms of guiding anyone's artistic practice mm. um, it doesn't need you don't need to prompt their artistic practice it's not about that I don't think because um if you are just giving space for what you do and what you're interested in to, speaking to the provocateurs you know you be interesting and then, um, or just be interested in what you do, I should say. And then everyone else will be able to just be um, and just, ha- and, and the rest will happen automatically. You know, it's not like we were working with people. Um, obviously, we had a massive range of artists and, and ages and experiences there. Um, but yes, we didn't want to kind of force an artistic agenda at all for people and that's why it was really important that it wasn't product-led um because that will come that I think it was just having that space that was our our, that was our aim anyway so yeah really lovely to hear that there was sort of secondary um or unexpected outcomes I should say from it that's nice to hear um so yeah how would you describe your artistic or creative practice at the moment do you is that an impossible task no it isn't um or do you mean is it an impossible task to describe it or an impossible task to do any of it (laughs) uh um, maybe one then the other (laughs) okay so so to describe it um as you say I've come from a theatre background but I've put theatre to bed for a bit because I just don't see how it can be safe um for a long time in the sort of low level that I was working at you know, nobody will be able to come and make a brilliant live stream of what I do because I can't afford it. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not even, I know that some venues are going to open and, and try their best to be COVID secure and, and that's fine and brilliant. And if anyone wants to go and enjoy that, I would absolutely support that. But personally, I, I can't justify <laughs> people coming to see me taking risks for that. Um, so I've put that to bed for a bit. And so um, there's a, co- a co-writer of mine that I've been working with for 
since the twins were born, it's about a year and a half now. And we're co-writing together a web series that we hope to at some point in the not too distant, but probably not immediate future, film and, and produce and put online. Um, so that would obviously be perfectly safe. And strangely, we started working on that before the pandemic kicked off, but it's proved to be quite a sensible project for us to focus on. And then I've been thinking about podcasts and podcasting too, because um, I've listened to a hell of a lot of them in the last few months and I enjoy them and I have previous experience of making audio content. So I'm um, just having a little think about that. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, you're not anybody unless you've got a podcast now. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> well, it would be a, it would be a more of a drama or a, you know, something to listen to entertainment mm -hmm. rather than a, I have, I have nothing useful to say to anyone right now. So. I, don't, I don't believe that at all. Um, <laughs> at all. I think um, actually just listening to, yeah, just, well, before we even started recording, just kind of listening to what you were talking about in terms of having a bit of inside information as well on how things, because for me, um, I'm very, very aware that all my work has shut down being an artist as well and being one that's like in a studio and working with other people and working in dance. It's just it happens with other people always, generally, unless you are making a solo, which I don't do. Um, um, I can and the, and the kids are at home. We are very much just, you know, in our in our little bubble here. Um, without much away. And I try to avoid going out too much. And so and. But there are obviously people who are carrying on and working and on, you know, the front line, obviously, with things. Um, it's quite easy to lose touch of that. So actually hearing hearing those very real stories, I think, is really important. But I, I prefer hearing them from people rather than digesting them through the news as well. It's so brutal through the news. Mm. Um, I sort of read the paper once a week. We get, I get it once a week. I check online a little bit. But when I when I sit down and read it, I do that for just a sort of a half hour concentrated of reading of it. And then it's just so I just feel completely helpless. So I stop. <laughs> um, but yes, maybe telling the real stories of the people who are doing all the hard work through a slightly less brutal medium than the news could be something uh, worth doing. But yeah, yeah I guess it's hard to know. How exactly how much help that would be, or or what form it would take, and possibly it's it's almost like it's too soon. I feel like people don't want to consume anything about what's going on right now, and I I get that. I if there was some new new TV show pop up about the pandemic, I would not be watching no. that. No, you're right. And I think there's going to be a mix afterwards, isn't there? There's going to be um, conversations that I'm having with producers and directors of festivals and they're trying to judge the mood and, and I think anyone who's trying to organize anything at the moment is like it's got to be light relief actually at the moment yeah so so true the um the show that my my colleague James and I are writing which as I say we started before this happened um but it's it's really oddly appropriate so it's nothing about any of this uh, in fact it's set in the future in space but it's just the two of us in one tiny in the sort of the flight deck of a spaceship so a small cramped room full of equipment every single episode and that's all it is 12 <laughs> episodes and like 
I, I started it because I, I was enjoying car journeys with my wife, like long car journeys and the stupid stuff that you get up to and the silly things and the misdirections and the reroutes and the snacks and the, you know, music and singing and stupidity. And I just was enjoying that. And I wanted to write sort of two characters stuck in a similar thing. And, and a sort of long haul space flight was the thing that happened in the end. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's very, sent it to a friend who works for Radio 4 just because he's a friend and he's got a good eye and he really enjoyed it. And he said he, he, it feels really oddly appropriate right now for what, not, not for reflecting what's happening, but for reflecting how our lives are, but in a soothing way. So it's just these two guys stuck together for months on end but they, but they have a fun and they, you know, their relationship grows and they're sort of still just about in touch with a few people in the outside world. And, and those relationships grow in spite of not being present. And like they have a, a friendship with the ship's computer that grows and changes and, and they're just dick about basically for 12 episodes. Um, but it's, yeah, soothing was the word my friend used. And he said, I just love these guys and I love spending time with these guys. And it's really comforting. It's like comfort foods, really, these little bursts of, and it's it's so kind of cramped and intimate and small. That I think it would work well for a small screen, you know, a laptop screen if you're watching online or something. Well, that's, I mean, and that's the reality, that's where we all are as well, aren't we? We're all cramped and inside and, yeah. and up, you know, against each other and. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, so in some ways it is reflective, but obviously in a very fantastical uh, setting. Yeah. Um, and, and when you, you know, it's that, you know, well, you're the writer, I don't need to tell you this, but, you know, when you when you reduce those, um, uh, reduce it down to just, one of my favourite um, TV programmes is Inside Number Nine. It's just oh, like... Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's so special. Dream kind of writing team to work with. It would be them, right? But um, the kind of premise of that, for at least the first series, which was always it's the location tended to just be in one space, didn't it? And um, yeah. I know they got a bit grander, but but generally, you know, they really reduced. I think the first episode was on a on a train, wasn't it? In a in a carriage. So you know if you create those conditions then magic can happen within that mm, it solves a lot of problems too and gives you a great focus and mm. I remember we were discussing uh, we, we've we've developed all sorts of story arcs and like there's obviously there's huge foundations behind what what actually ultimately is just a few very short episodes of silliness but there's huge amounts of world building and and like logistics I've got into it just to make sure that that that, that it just feels uh, not real obviously but you know yeah. viable worth people's time yeah. viable um and real um, people. <laughs> yeah real people uh, and we had to decide if if they ever reach their destination where they're going to we had to decide that and it took us months to decide it and then one day I just sort of woke up and was like um not not on screen but yes in life so like <laughs> they will reach it but then they'll have to turn around and come back again, which is awesome. So series two is the return journey. <laughs> it's an 18-month journey in space. It's like three years, just the two of them. <laughs> oh, dear. I can't wait. So when when's that? Um, when are you entering into that process? Like, oh, we don't know because we want to – obviously we need to be in a small space together, possibly with some crew. So 
so if we said he could just come and live with he could come here isolate in the attic and live with us for filming and I was like I think maybe his partner would have something to say about that and he might have something to say about himself living with three tiny children uh no I don't think he would enjoy that at all um but also we want to film it at the air museum um in in an old bomber and that's that's run by volunteers that they tend to be over retirement age let's just say that and we don't want to put them at any unnecessary risk and and the bomber is shut to the public at the minute anyway because of these very reasons so um we will just wait until it's going to be a makeshift um studio anywhere then with (laughs) (laughs) i don't know we've kind of thought about it james said we could just buy loads of (laughs) tinfoil getting the kids on that project yeah um we want it to look kind of dingy and grubby and and a bit rubbishy um but but it does need to look real too so yeah we're not sure if we can build anything with no budget that would look as good as a, a plane would but yeah we'll see we hope that sometime this year we can we can film it oh I really hope you can because that sounds brilliant sounds it's nice. been so much fun I've enjoyed it a lot We've just, yeah, uh, exactly. if you've got someone that you can bounce off that's um, absolutely key isn't it yeah I'm very lucky to have him and um and it's yeah it's just nice to have something to aim for isn't it even if it's um even if you don't know when or where mm-hmm having something in the future that you can kind of aim towards at the moment seems very key yeah definitely well he's he's been give, provided that with me for sort of pre-pandemic twin twin hole time as well like he used to come around and wait for me to finish my chores I think I told you this maybe actually it must have been during the first lockdown he'd stand outside the window and we'd discuss ideas while I was finishing my laundry and my washing up Oh, he's really committed he's great I remember writing writing one of the episodes which is actually about a friend having a baby and then finding out and trying to find a virtual card to send her um and I wrote that with with baby Shem asleep on on my chest I have a really vivid memory of sitting at the laptop like writing this episode with a with a baby on my chest about someone who just had a baby it was very strange (laughs) oh yeah oh fantastic exciting um and um and and just really lovely to to hear that um throughout this whether it's with wild wonder or or what it's been but um but that yeah you're kind of starting to creep back out into your creative process and and get excited about something I think that's the that's the thing isn't it just being able to be excited about something at the moment is is needed and um key to kind of our mental well-being yeah yeah it really is for sure I'll I'll just ask one more question before we finish um and maybe it's related to some of that but um and I don't know if you can hear but on on Thank Road at the moment they're drilling um in the road so the conditions couldn't be worse (laughs) home recording um we've got you know I've got children homeschooling and and the and the gas works going on outside (laughs) my house but um so my question is what are your conditions for creativity is that one (laughs) pneumatic drills are a must (laughs) no I can't hear the drilling um kind of so I, I used to have a studio which had no internet connection that was good so I used to go there for sort of a couple like shortish chunks two to three hours of absolute focus with no email and no obviously sometimes you do need the internet to do the admin but I used to go there for the actual writing time and would just have shortish chunks of time for complete focus um and quiet and like natural light 
and just I used to cover the walls in paper with with and write on them and things it kind of looked like the den of a psychopath but um yeah I feel like short concentrated chunks of time I am more productive in than say I, I mean I can't remember the last time I had a whole day but <laughs> then a whole day um and and sometimes motion really helps as well so going for a walk will often help fix a knotty a knotty problem mm. and music I like music to get me going but then the music has to stop for the actual writing Mm. sounds good sounds sounds quite similar in some ways actually to my own practice as well it has to involve moving to move my body yeah yeah get stuck otherwise yeah thank you so much for giving up your time to have a chat and I hope that um yeah I hope I managed to kind of make some sense of this in my first kind of editing of a podcast so thank you for being you're actually the first one to be so <laughs> you're a little bit of a guinea pig and um, I'm hoping <laughs> I get a bit smoother with the as the week goes on um, but it's been a joy to get to know you as well and to to hear more about your practice and for us um both Sarah and I I think to just connect with artists that we've not met before and mm. uh, been really lovely so so thank you for being oh, thank you I found um not that it would have been any less good if there had been any men I love men I'm all for the men but I just feel like uh women are more likely to have lots and lots and lots and lots of additional responsibilities and so being able to have a have some connection with other people that have that dual responsibility to their practice and to all this other stuff has been um, really uh really helpful for me just to have a chat with other people who have been or are in slightly similar situation yeah yeah we we absolutely need that don't we we need to be able to hear other people's stories and and to know that we're not alone in something and Mm. and to get advice sometimes or just a a, yeah a kind ear (laughs) yeah (laughs) i agree and this is a perfect moment to stop because I've got a little child that's creeping through the door now. <laughs> so, um, so thank you. We'll pause it there. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything and keep in contact and keep us updated with what you're doing. Sure, I, I will. Thank you I so much. I can't wait to hear about the show more. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.